The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. Choose from a comprehensive range of bet types, including money line, point spreads, totals, futures, odds boosts, parlays, props, teasers, and round robins. Download now on iOS and Android, available in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, New Jersey, 21+. plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, contact 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Visit thescore.bet for more details. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Appreciate you tuning in. Now, normally, I would say that the week right after the conference championships, it's normally a little quieter, kind of a palate cleanser. Not this week. In addition to the Senior Bowl, which is going, a lot of top prospects there. We've also had Tom Brady making his retirement official. We had Brian Flores found a class action lawsuit against the league for racial discrimination. We still have coaching hires going on, including maybe Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL with the Vikings. We'll see if that ends up being the case. But regardless, never a dull moment in the NFL news cycle. And I didn't even mention the damn Super Bowl, which is less than two weeks away here. And I can admit at this point, it was tough. Last week I talked about it. As sad as I am that the Bills didn't get there. It's a really good matchup between the Bengals and the Rams, so I'm excited for that one. I'm also excited for today's guest, Jordan McNamara, one of the best dynasty minds in the business. I gushed about him last year when he made his debut on the show. I shouldn't spend too much time here hyping him up off the top, but I highly recommend checking out his content. It's definitely going to make you a better fantasy player, whether it's his annual Analytics of Dynasty, which you can find at analyticsofdynasty.com, or his stuff over at Football Guys, like the weekly Dynasty show that he does with Chad Parsons, or even the stuff he's dropping on Twitter, at McNamara Dynasty. Does a great job with player analysis, maybe more importantly, with strategies to help you improve your roster. And last year, when we had him on in the spring, we went over some of that strategy stuff. Today, we're going to talk a bit about the latest news, and then we're going to discuss some players that we're targeting in trades this offseason. So let's get him in here. Jordan, welcome back, buddy. How you been, man? I'll be honest with you. I am just just barely over the Bills uh, losing, so I'm. A, I'm a <laughs> I didn't want to Bills bring fan. it up. I know you're a Bills fan as well. I, I just, just I, it's um, you know, and it was okay until this Sunday again when I saw like a like a I don't you know it took an A plus effort. The Bills still lost, and something less than that would have got it done this Sunday. And I was pretty uh. It was it was it was hurtful to watch. So, um, but yeah, so I'm, you got me. You know, it's been a little bit of recovery time, but it's it's okay. We're okay now. It's 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 we're we're on to the off season. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Take my yeah, mind off it. <laughs> it definitely seemed like this could have could have been their year. I don't want to turn into a Bills show though. Like I said last week, I kind of just off the top of the show, I just took it over and only talked about the Bills for a few minutes. So we don't need to do that again. I want to get into a bunch of stuff here. I want to talk about the Brady retirement and the players to buy a dynasty, like I said. But before we do, when we had you on last year, I gave you a chance to provide folks with the overview of what you're doing with the analytics of dynasty. If you want to give new listeners a brief refresher, you can. But the big thing here is that you're putting out a new version each year. So let everybody know what can they expect from the one that you just put out recently, right? In the last week? Yeah, yep. It's been out for about a week now. Um, and it's each year is a little bit different in terms of the themes we cover, in terms of the things we're going to do. Um, you know, this is this is edition four. So I, I did something different this year and I went back and I basically 
there's a lot of stuff, right? That we're looking at different topics each year. We're looking at different positions. And I tried to like basically for the first, I don't know, chapter of the book to basically do a rundown of all the stuff kind of that we know, right? Or that we've learned along the way. So basically, you know, kind of getting back to the analytics of dynasty basics, if you will. Um, and so if you're new to the analytics of dynasty, like that's a great place to start almost in a way that if you just picked up sort of in the middle of any of the other three books, like they would help you. But I think this gives you an actual foundation of it as a, as a jumping off point. Cause each year things build upon each other. So I think that that's something new that we definitely did. That's helpful. Um, and I think, I think if there's two big things from this book, uh, besides that, it would be we're looking at player profiles. So I think that there's some really easy things to do at quarterback that we found that have been really significant um, that are just mistakes that you can't make um, or just really easy bets to make that are um, that are, are very helpful, um, especially at high cost for quarterbacks, especially with the growth like Superflex and two quarterback dynasty leagues. You can't make certain mistakes. And I think a lot of that is, is stuff that we've found and teased out. And I'll give you an edge there. Um, and the other thing is just understanding the player arcs of other positions, right? So at, at um, running back and wide receiver in particular, right? Knowing sort of what you're getting into, what your expectations can be that make you, uh, it, it'll allow you to make better draft picks, in your rookie drafts and your startup drafts as, as well as your trades um so that from a really from a player perspective i think those profile things will really help you and then i actually did a, a bunch of strategy stuff too and that's usually the most fun part because it can be like reflective you know it can be uh we're looking at you know kind of bigger picture stuff uh and and about how to put a team together and some optimization of some stuff and so i did that um you know i i went through the confessional of a, of a recovering a productive struggler uh, if you're familiar <laughs> with that concept, it's, it's, uh, you know, a person that, you know, you, you, str you intentionally struggle off the bat, you know, for a long-term gain in the future. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, rec I'm in recovery from doing that. So I wrote about that and about some different ways to try and build your team and, um, and, and all that. So it was fun. It was in a, in a way that I don't think analytics of dynasty has really covered dynasty before we did something a little bit different this year. So it was a lot of fun. Well, and here's my endorsement. Normally when somebody has content that they're going to talk about, I normally do that at the end of the show. I think both times that you've come on, I let you do it right off the top because I think it's that important. I think the work's that good. I think people should check it out. So that is my recommendation. Go to analyticsdynasty.com, take a look around and see if it's something that you're interested in. I imagine that you probably will. But Jordan, we got to put you to work now. A couple things it. that I want to hit on here before we get to those dynasty buys. The first, like I mentioned, Brady retiring. As Bills fans, I mean, we can both probably breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief here that he's finally gone. But I don't, I don't as Dynasty it until managers, that actually happens until like which week true. one and he's not playing. True. I saw someone say that on Twitter, actually looking for odds on whether Brady's going to actually play this year or not, right. even despite him saying he's going to retire. I will say, though, as much as the, the Bills side of me is kind of happy that he's gone, the Dynasty manager side... I'm a little bit sad because he was one of those like cheap veteran quarterbacks that I was able to get the last couple of years, put him in my QB two spot in Superflex and two quarterback leagues. And it has been fantastic. Helped me win some titles the last couple of years. Now I want to know, I'm curious, how are you approaching this Bucks offense? And we'll say, assuming that he is gone here and it actually does right. turn out to be true. Cause we had Dave Richard of CBS on last week. He talked about the free agent class at quarterback there's not that much to get excited about in this year's class. I mean, Jameis Winston, I highly doubt they're going to bring him back. After him, you're looking at guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Marcus Mariota. I mean, you could look at potentially a trade for somebody like 
Russell Wilson or maybe more realistically a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about the in-house options. I mean, Kyle Trask playing Gabbard. Are those guys worth stashing in super flex leagues? I don't think they're really going to have a shot to start next year, but maybe. How do we look at Mike Evans now? He's a guy who always seems to be underrated in Dynasty. Is he still a veteran to target? And then with Brady gone, are we still as interested in some of those young receivers they have there? The Jalen Dardens, the Tyler Johnsons, guys that we might have been stashing. I know I have for a year or two, kind of hoping that they would evolve and eventually get a, a shot to start. We got Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette is for agents. There's a lot of pieces uh, in, in, in motion yeah. here for Tampa. So give us the overview here of what you're thinking about the, the Brady-less Bucks offense when it comes to, to Dynasty, what you're doing with some of those pieces. Yeah, it's a, I mean, a huge question. And I'll say this, you know, just from the start of what you said, um, especially with the Brady aspect of being a, a, a contending player, um, you know, be, him being on dynasty teams and, and the like, he's really a player that I think strategically I've had to, um, I, I've used him as an adjustment to what I would do historically, you know, because I think that there are, um, you know, he was, I got him at quarterback 20 in a draft this past season. Uh, and in prior years, I would have never done that, right? Because I would have been like, oh, I can't use him two or three years down the line. Uh, but you know what I could do? I could bludgeon people with him in the meantime. And, you know, I, I get two, I get, you know, I, I paired him with, um, with Mahomes and I actually wrote about it in the book and it was, you know, it, that's a huge floor ceiling combination, right? And I think that he's an interesting one of, as, as quarterbacks get a little older and maybe they age down, uh, or they age up and, and sort of go down in value. The, it's a really interesting opportunity. You know, if, I don't know if Rodgers is totally sort of there yet, but as sort of quarterbacks keep doing that, uh, you know, getting older and still have that ceiling, I think that they become big time investments. So I think he's a good example of that. Um, the rest of the offense is just so much change. And I think, you know, that Mike Evans is in the midst of all he does is post top 24 seasons and thousand yard <laughs> seasons. Um, I'll just bet on it happening again, just because, uh, we've seen him do it in a whole variety of circumstances. Um, I think a lot of people would point to, hey, there's some, you know, it's probably some touchdown regression coming. I mean, they led the league in passing attempts. Uh, is that going to happen again in a non-Tom Brady offense? You know, is Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask or whoever it is going to be, you know, going to going to be that aggressive uh, through the pass game? Probably not. But I would say this, like when you look at uh, your uh, losing Antonio Brown, who had in the games that he played a tw almost a 23% target share. Gronk was north of 17. Godwin uh, north of 21. So when you sort of look at that, I, I mean, I think realistically two of those guys, if not three of those guys, are probably going to be playing elsewhere. And you're left really with Evans and uh, we don't really know what else proven wise. So I think what, what could go down in volume uh, uh, overall on offense could actually go up in terms of his, uh, you know, his targets or, you know, his market share goes up enough that it doesn't really much matter in terms of the overall offense going down a little bit. So I'm not really worried about that um, in terms of, in terms of all that. Um, I think he'll still be fine. I'd project him to be a top 24 finisher pretty much. I just, he, he, and again, that becomes a, People become disinterested because it's so consistently good that I think people are looking for the more exotic thing. He's just a really easy one to get right, I think, and projected a really, um, you know, I, I consider him like an innings eater, like you would in baseball. Like he's like yep. a classic inning, innings eater at, at wide receiver, um, which is exactly what you want at the position. So I really like that. And then I think everything else is a lot of uncertainty. I mean, I would, I mean, I was looking at the numbers and I don't know if, I don't know if like a Rogers trade could actually be pulled off. 
Uh, but I wouldn't put it past them, you know. And and I they have like they have a team that could. I still think if they had a good quarterback, be built uh, to win. And you know it would take some finagling for sure, but I wouldn't put it past them to be a player in the in the veteran quarterback market. Um, we'll see. So I don't, I, you know, that, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. But one of the things I wouldn't worry about too too much is Evans. I think you probably you're gonna have some questions with like Jalen Darden and some of those other guys down the um, down the line. Um, but those are you know those are more spec bets anyways. But I would say you know from a uh, if you're looking at your higher price guys, I'm not I'm not worried about Evans really much at all. Well, when I initially heard about the the Brady news, I kind of started to think like, could they go completely the other way at this point? Could they go into some sort of like rebuild and they let Godwin walk and you know they they maybe trade some guys away and and then I, you think about that division now and it's like the division is still up for grabs, right? Totally. Like the the Saints are in flux, the the Panthers haven't found their quarterback. I know. They got a really good young defense. They got a lot of weapons on offense. So if they do find that quarterback, they might end up being the favorites in that division. But the Falcons, they're also mm-hmm. kind of in flux. No guarantees there. So the Bucks, like they could still win the division next year if they just get average quarterback play. So it's going to be really interesting to see who they end up with for sure. Now, I know you do a lot of excellent historical studies in your work. We've talked about how you know, players and picks, how they could be more valuable at certain times of the year in Dynasty and how Dynasty managers can kind of take advantage of that. And maybe my question here is just going to be common sense, but I'm wondering if you've ever looked at how deeper playoff runs might impact player value. So for example, are we going to see a big bump for guys like Joe Burrow, like T Higgins, Odell Beckham? I mean, I don't know if Jamar Chase or Cooper Cup's values could get much higher, but have you noticed in the past that, that player values maybe skyrocket from these deep playoff performances? And are you anticipating any of that for any of these Bengals or, or Rams guys this year? Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it um, in, in prior years. I mean, there was a few years back where it was Seattle's in the Super Bowl, and I think it was Chris Matthews, if memory serves, became like a household dynasty name for like a yeah. couple of months because he had a – I think he had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, if memory if my if my memory of that's correct. So we do see these upticks, and, you know, all the eyes are on everyone. It's like, a, you know, it's like a, a guy's playing on island games, right? We, we remember these things. So I do think it matters. Um, I think Burrow's probably improving his valuation. Um, Burrow's going to be too expensive for me. Uh, where he's going to go. Um, but, um, and I think, you know, Chase is interesting. Like, I like Chase. I don't like Chase. I don't think it is cost. I wouldn't pay his cost for Chase. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think, I do think that these, uh, you know, that some of these guys, like Stafford's a guy that I, um, you know, I had a ton of. I've had a ton of for a while just because he made a lot of sense at his cost and about his blend of production and longevity. Um, he, I think he's been pretty consistently underrated. They're undervalued for the last, I don't know, five years or so. Um, and so I have a ton of him. And so the question will become like, hey, if he gets a Super Bowl ring, I think maybe we think about him differently. I don't know how much his price will go up uh, in, in dynasty leagues, but it, could he be a guy that I you know, I might see an increase in valuation and want to pivot off of? I think those are all situations that we have to react to. I haven't done anything specific in terms of study, but I think anecdotally we've seen enough of these to think that there's probably something there on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, guys on the Chiefs, whether it was some of the running backs there, Damian Williams popping up. Totally. Daryl Williams. I mean, this year in one dynasty league, I went out and picked up Jerick McKinnon, who was still on the mm-hmm. waiver wire when we saw him. And, you know, who knows what he's going to be doing next season. Right. But just seeing what he did in the playoffs, it was enough for me to throw him at the end of my bench and, you know, see if he gets a shot next year, either with the Chiefs or, or someone else. So, all right, I teased it enough here. 
let's talk about the players that we're trying to acquire right now. And it doesn't have to be by lows. It can be by highs too. And we can go position by position here and, and each toss out a name. And I'll also say we didn't share our list before the show. So there is a chance that we could land on the same guy, which I mean, that would only give people even more confidence about going out and acquiring that player. I would think Jordan. So let's start with quarterbacks. I'll let you go first here. Who's the quarterback that you're actively trying to get right now? Um, I, I'm, I'm making pushes for Mahomes, uh, where I, I think he's gettable. Um, really? you know, I, I have, I have a fair amount of him. Um, I, I, the research from this book, I call these guys supermax quarterbacks. So I basically steal from the NBA about the supermax contracts and I call the, you know, the elite guys is a, there's a, um, you know, they basically have to have multiple hits. Um, they have to be basically top 10 ADP guys, and they got to have about three years of contractual security. But when you look at those guys, what they do in terms of elevating your floor, elevating your ceiling, uh, it's a big deal. And the gap between uh, the the gap between like quarterback one and quarterback you know eight or quarterback ten, it is an enormous gap in terms of expectations, in terms of what you can expect for wins, in, in terms of what you can expect for future production. Um, I think it's worth paying that for, especially at this time of the calendar, because the most sure thing that you can do right now is to say that elite quarterbacks are going to stay elite. For sure. And so for me, it's it's Mahomes, it's Allen, um, Herbert, Prescott um, are really in that. And if Watson doesn't have these problems, I'm going after Watson. So I'm targeting those guys specifically right now and trying to make moves up my team. Um, I, I, I would give you one specific person. I'd give you just a, a, a profile, and that would be the profile that I would go after. And I've been pretty aggressive in trying to get after some of those guys this year. Interesting. I mean, I was surprised to hear that name just because, yeah, having to to really pay up, I would imagine, to get him. It's, it's you know, no doubt that Mahomes is worth it for sure, but I feel like it would still take a lot to get uh, one of those guys. I know a couple of years ago in one of my Superflex leagues, I gave up a package of, uh, and this was before Austin Eckler was really big, so it kind of changed over the years here, but I gave up Austin Eckler and Matthew Stafford and Michael Gallup and and a bunch of pieces to get a a young Josh Allen. I think Allen was going into maybe his second season at that point, and uh, it worked out. Obviously, I got lucky that the development continued, and it wasn't me being a a Bills homer at all. Mm -hmm. It was that I really felt strongly that Allen was going to figure it out in that culture with that new coaching staff that had showed up in Buffalo, but... Yeah, I've never really gone out and done the the move to to pay up once those guys actually reach the the level that some of those names that you just threw out have gotten to. So that's that's a very interesting one for you. It'll feel very expensive as you're doing it, but when you look back on it in a year or when you look back at it on two years, it's not going to feel that expensive because um, I did it last year and it was basically moving Stafford who, again, who I like, and Juju Smith-Schuster and Mike Evans for for Mahomes. And like, I look back on that and would I do it again a hundred times over, you know what I mean? Yeah, and th- no sort doubt. of that, if you can do it with those types of assets, especially without giving future picks, I mean, it's a, I think, um, it's a big, it's a big time winning strategy. Yeah. And sometimes you want to like, sometimes I just like to look at my rosters and kind of figure out, okay, which positions do I feel totally comfortable with? Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about whatsoever. And, you know, I want to, for me, normally with my builds, I want to make sure I got some high-end wide receivers and I can mm-hmm. just kind of feel good about the the top end of, you know, maybe I have to grab a couple lower receivers if it's a league where we're starting five or six receivers or something, which I'm in a couple of those. But I want to have high-end receivers and you want to feel good about your quarterbacks if you're in a two-quarterback league, at least one of them. So mm-hmm. I'm with you there that if you make the trade for one of those high-end guys, you're going to take a look at your roster and feel very confident in that spot for sure. Uh, for me, I'm kind of going a little more... 
I don't know, total bargain basement, but a little cheaper with the quarterbacks here. I'll throw out two names, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, and I kind of lumped them together just because mm-hmm. it's kind of the same reason. It's new coaching staffs coming in, right? And Carr, he's been a pretty respectable quarterback too in fantasy for a while here, really. Maybe even a little underrated. He was a top 15 fantasy quarterback in average fantasy points per game over the last uh, seven weeks, or the first seven weeks last year. Uh, before the the Henry Ruggs accident uh, happened. Now he gets Josh McDaniels, who is a bright offensive mind, joined in the mix there. And I don't have as much faith in Daniel Jones, maybe, as you know the turnover machine that he's been. But I do have faith in Brian Dable and what he's helped the Bills offense do. So we know Jones could put up some decent rushing stats. There's weapons around him that aren't that bad, you know. They just really got to get him an offensive line, and maybe if they do, we'll be able to see him give us, uh, you know, some top fifteen fantasy numbers as well. So in two QB and super flex leagues, those are guys I'd be targeting. I don't know if you have any thoughts on them. Yeah, I mean the Brian Dable move down uh, the throughway to to uh, the Giants is uh, I, I, it's really interesting. And if you look at Jones, like from a production perspective, it hasn't been great, but th- he's actually done some stuff that really, really well, like as a deep passer, and they just didn't. Like they were the the lowest percentage deep ball team in terms of balls twenty yards or more down the field, but he's actually over his career been one of the better quarterbacks at that. So they haven't really exploited some of the stuff that he's done well. I hope Dayball, and we've seen what Dayball has done with Josh Allen. You know, I think that they can incorporate some of that some of that stuff and maybe more optimize what he's able to offer. But I do like Daniel Jones at his cost in particular, and I like Carr too. I think Carr's yeah, Carr's is kind of like this uh, a little bit younger version of Kirk Cousins is just consistently overlooked yeah completely different approaches for us you're going for the elite one I'm going for more of the the cheaper option there Mm -hmm. but uh covering a lot of bases let's move on to running back who's the running back who you're going after I think again this it's dependent on cost um but if you look in like the the later teens to 20s I think there's a lot of interesting guys so it's going to be guys in that range um, because I don't think they're all that different than guys that are going maybe 10 spots ahead of them there's going to be a lot of sameness in that range um, so I think by and large, like, I think Aaron Jones is really interesting in that range. Um, and another one that I would say, I guess two guys that are interesting in that range are him and, uh, David Montgomery and a younger guy is ETN. And I think just specifically with ETN, uh, he has the type of rushing and receiving upside that can really make a difference. Um, that we've seen guys can, can really, you know, uh, I'm not, I'll use a person that you just mentioned, Eckler. Um, I don't think he's Austin Eckler, but I think he could. He has that type of profile where he can do both, um, and I think it's really, really interesting from that. Um, you know, from that depth, could really make a big time difference. So that would be the one. You know, if you're going younger and if you're going older, um, you're, if you're more comfortable going middle aged running backs, I would say uh, Montgomery and Aaron Jones from that range. Yeah, I like the Montgomery call. He's somebody who I was thinking about here as well. Um, I would also say Josh Jacobs. Um, mm-hmm. I like all, all of your calls. I'm, I'm not just singling out the Montgomery one, but he is also someone that I had on my list. Yeah. Uh, and I do like Etienne. I talked about him a lot on the show last year. It was really sad to see him get hurt and miss the rookie season. Um, I'm really hoping that, that he can bounce back from that one, but Montgomery and, and Jacobs for me are guys that I don't know why, and I don't want to get on a rant here too much, but I think sometimes people overthink it at running back. And I don't know why some of these guys just seem to get bad reps from fantasy managers. But when you look at guys like Montgomery and Jacobs who have this sort of guaranteed volume, I mean, I've been pounding the table for Josh Jacobs for a few years now, and I'm not sure what it is that he has to do to kind of earn the respect from the fantasy world, but 
RB14 this year in fantasy points per game. He was just 0.3 points away from being a top 12 fantasy back, and that's in PPR leagues. Everybody always gave him a hard time that he wasn't catching enough passes. He did this year. And if we're looking at the last couple seasons, and if we knock out the guys that just played like one game, and so the average for them is kind of thrown off because they only had one big game. So no, none of these like fluke one-off performances. Jacob's been a top 15 fantasy back all three years of his career in average points per game, over 1,200 yards from scrimmage each year, 28 touchdowns during that stretch. And like I said, the big knock was the pass catching. It wasn't that he hasn't been able to do that. It isn't that he doesn't have that skill set. It's just he hadn't had the opportunity. And this year in 15 games, 54 catches. So answer to any questions anybody had there. I would gladly take him on my roster. I talked earlier about how I'd like to get those high-end wide receivers I would gladly take Jacobs on my roster as you know low-end RB1, ideally more of a, a high-end RB2, uh, especially because of the way that I kind of build my teams. But And then you look at Montgomery, it's the same kind of thing. He's a leader in the locker room, guy that gets a, a ton of volume. And if the schedule is favorable, and we saw it the last two years down the stretch, he had good matchups. He helped a lot of people win fantasy titles, including myself, the last couple of years here. So for me, I think those are guys that you could probably get at a discount and it's not because they're playing on the field. It's because just weirdly public perception is kind of not where it should be on them. Yeah. I love your Jacobs call and all he's ever done has been productive. And if you, if you had told us like, Hey, you could get two, you know, you'd get three starts, uh, you know, three top 24 seasonal finishes to start your career. You get two of them in the top 12, right? I, you would fall over yourself to take that at one one in rookie draft. Absolutely. And the fact that people are, um, you know, and, and don't forget that class included Nikhil Harry. And so people took Nikhil Harry over Josh Jacobs. And it's, it's interesting that people, um, in the, and you look at Josh Jacobs in the light of like a guy like Clyde Edwards, Alaire, who the, the community was really high on and who was disappointed through two years. Um, like if you had gotten what Jacobs has given you through three years, if you got you know, two of those years for, for Clyde Edwards, Alaire, I think you'd be, um, you'd be in a vastly different spot. We're talking about Clyde Edwards-Lair potentially being replaced right now in some places. <laughs> so um, it's interesting that I think, again, and this is what the this is what AOD really looks at is some of the expectation stuff about this, but by almost any measure, Jacobs has been terrific to start his career. Yeah, and I will say I understand that a lot of people are looking for that extreme upside with running backs. They want that kind of top five potential they're probably the guys I mentioned there, Jacobs, Montgomery, they're probably not going to get you that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. though I will say, I do think Jacobs still has a chance. If he continues to expand this pass catching role and if the Raiders improve, I don't want to overrate Josh McDaniels going there, but McDaniels is an offensive mind. If that offense improves at all, you know, maybe we do see Jacobs put up even better numbers and put up a career year this season. Is he the best combo to be the next Leonard Fournette? In terms of guy that was good from a rushing perspective or had the rushing volume, we had questions about him as a passer. He actually put that together, but didn't do it both in the same season. Then once we finally see him in one season do it, he's a top three running back. I mean, it feels like Jacobs has that in his range of outcomes. Absolutely. All right, let's keep moving along here. Next up is receiver. And I will say, and you probably already realize this based on how many times I've talked about elite receivers so far, it is one spot where I am willing to to pay up to get a quality asset. But I'll let you go first here. Who's your receiver target? Um, I like a guy like um, like Keenan Allen. Um, and again, like we could talk about Mike Mike Evans, right? We could talk about Brandon Cooks. But in that range of guys, I think we get a little bit too. Um, we move on too quickly value wise from guys that are still. Uh, 
volume target hogs. So I, I do like elite wide receivers um, in, in terms of some of the guys I think that you will mention. Um, but I, I find guys like Keenan Allen to be undervalued and consistently overproduce their valuation, especially once they get to that that part of the age curve. Um, and so he's a guy that I think if you're looking to sort of fill a need, you can do so at a reasonable cost um, and, and really allow you to access some ceiling at not a huge cost. And we don't know what's going to happen there, right? Mike Williams potentially gone. Totally. I know a lot of people like Josh Palmer, but there's no guarantees that anybody else really even steps up and takes a, a huge target share there. So Keenan Allen could see a lot of work next season and, yeah, being attached to Herbert. And he has that that skill set that really seems like he'll be able to keep this up for a while, Larry Fitzgerald kind of style, that he'll be able to to continue this deep into to his career. Uh, for me, I'm cheating again here, Jordan. I know I said one at each position, and every time I went to look at it, I ended up seeing a couple names that I wanted to talk about. So I'll try to go quick through these. But for me, T. Higgins, who mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, who we talked about a little bit when we were talking about the Super Bowl matchup. Chase just gets all the headlines. Higgins might be the second best receiver, you know, the best second receiver in the league when you're talking about kind of 1A, 1B situation. And barring injury, this Bengals passing attack they're going to be good for a long time here. I listened to a show the other day where someone said the the Bengals don't have much behind Chase, and I just immediately it was like, okay, this person's not watching very much football, right? That's right. kind of an outrageous claim to make because Higgins has <laughs> just been amazing this year. I mean, aside from that stretch, early in the season he got hurt. He had a couple decent games, and then he got hurt. And the ramp up, it took him a little while to you know knock the rust off after the injury. But from like mid-season on, he was just outstanding. So I think he's going to have a, a lot of good games moving forward. He's a guy that I'm targeting, and he's in my top 12 as far as my dynasty trade value chart goes at receiver. So I think both those guys, we've seen it happen before with, with Evans and Godwin. We've seen teammates do it before. I think both those guys are going to be really good for a long time here. Uh, DJ Moore and, and Higgins, DJ Moore, these are guys that you're probably going to have to pay up for, but... DJ Moore to me, it's kind of like, you know, if you're looking at like the Josh Jacobs for, for running backs, he's kind of like the Josh Jacobs for receivers. I mean, the touchdowns yeah. haven't been there for more, but the production, the the consistency, people like him, but I don't know that he gets the respect that he should over 1200 yards from scrimmage each year. When you add in the rushing numbers, not huge rushing numbers, but he throws, you know, 40, 60, 80 yards up each season in terms of rushing. And he's done it with average to bad quarterback play. So if the Panthers ever get that spot sorted out, if they end up with a Deshaun Watson or someone, look out. Like Moore is someone that could end up in the top five amongst receivers if he gets good quarterback play. And then really quickly, I'll just say, if you can get a discount right now, and maybe can, maybe can't, depending on the league, but second year guys, guys going into year two here, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony. I know sometimes fantasy managers, they they get scared when a rookie doesn't put up a, a huge stat line in year one, but these guys, they dealt with injuries. They had some bad luck, quarterbacks missing time. So I would go and get them immediately. I think both of them have really bright futures as well. I love that DJ Moore thing. And the other thing too about uh, Kadarius Tony that you mentioned him, his yards per route run for a rookie was uh, absolutely off the charts. So that's something that we look at as being a good signal of future production. Um, his odds are really bright in terms of that. I know that there's some questions about him, but I, I really like that uh, that Tony call as well. All right, I've gone over my limit at every single position. I promise I only have one tight end to talk about, but I will let you go first. Bring it home, Jordan. Who's your tight end? Um, I'm hoping Gronkowski makes a stop back in the uh, in the, the Buffalo awesome. area. That would be awesome. what I'm hoping that for. That would be but, cool. Yeah, um, I think whoever's the cheapest of Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller would be my pick um, because I think that they're going to be in that tight end four, five, six range 
uh, and they're going to have really high upside, right? Tight end one type upside in a given season. Uh, and I think that they're depressed in cost age, uh, some injuries catching up with Waller a little bit, going to drive down his cost. But I think bo- both of them have a really high seasonal impact upside over the next couple of years. Um, and I would, I think that that's worth paying up for. And I think tight end is one of those positions that's really worth having a, a guy in the top, you know, four to six, depending on the year. And I think this is a year that, that in the top six is fine uh, because you're getting a shot at Kelsey or Waller probably in that range. So I think either of those two guys, the cheapest one, we'll say it would be the one that I'd be targeting. Yeah, out of all the positions, tight end might be the one where, like I was talking about earlier, when you're looking at your roster and you want to just feel really confident in a spot, when you look mm-hmm. at your roster and you got one of those top five tight ends, it is a great feeling because if you got to go deeper, it can be pretty tough to to match that high-end production that people get when they have one of those top five guys. I said I only had one. I do only have one. For me, it is somebody a little further down. Uh, somebody who's a little bit younger, hasn't really broke out yet. It's Cole Komet for me, mm-hmm. and it's crazy that he didn't score a touchdown this year. I mean, there's no way that that's going to continue. He was 12th in receptions among tight ends. He had 60 catches. He was 12th in yards among tight ends. He had 612 yards. And even though he emerged as the clear starter, they still continued to give Jimmy Graham some red zone looks at times, which I don't really get. But maybe we finally see them move on from Jimmy Graham next year. Either way, Komet, he's turning 23 in March, still super young. And the future of that offense should be brighter with Justin Fields under center, right? So I think Komet's somebody that may never get to that elite mark, but I could see him move up into kind of that mid-tight end one range if he continues like this. Yeah, PFF liked him for 4.4 expected touchdowns this year, and he had zero. So that tells you there's a big, you know, some, some that's like Kyle Pitts level of touchdown regression expectation right there. So yeah, that, that's definitely, uh, I like that call and I, I have him, he was one that was cheap and it kind of fit the, the AOD profile in terms of rookies. So yeah, I really like that Cole Coleman pick. Well, if you do add four or five touchdowns to his total, he would have been right up there around the tight end one fringe. He would have been like tight end 12, tight end 13, right around there. Yeah, so. for sure. A guy that, yeah, I think the the best is yet to come for him. All right, I'll get you out, out of here on this one, Jordan. I'm in some extremely deep dynasty leagues. I'm sure you are too. I just took down the title in the first year of the Dino Game Theory League where it's 14 teams, 34-man rosters. You're starting 12 players. So there is not much on the waiver wire in that one. In a deep league like that, who is your favorite stash at this point in the year? Before free agency gets cooking, who's somebody that you'd be out there trying to pick up? So there's there's three guys, um, but with the caveat of any sort of the deeper backup quarterbacks like Trubisky and like those guys, I, assuming that they're rostered for the purpose of that exercise. But Mariota, those types of guys, I would be in at Minshew. I'd be in on them. But assuming that they're gone in this depth of the league, uh, Deontay Harris out of uh, out of New Orleans, um, really efficient on a per route run basis. I got jammed up with suspension and stuff this year, but I think he's really interesting in terms of. Uh, and they have questions at wide receivers, so I think he's really interesting. Dearness Johnson uh, with Kareem Hunt due to make $6.5 million. None of it's guaranteed, and they can save all of that against the cap if they cut him. Uh, Dearness Johnson could be a guy that's a backup to Nick Chubb and showed out pretty well this year. And Trey McKitty is probably, like the in terms of tight end pedigree, You know, I, I kind of like that day two uh, or early day three tight end as a uh, as a really, really cheap investment when we can get it for basically free. And Trey McKitty's basically that. And there's not a ton in front of him on the depth chart. So he's one that I've, you know, I added a bunch down the stretch, just stashing on the back end of rosters just to see what the summer brings. 
Yeah, I like those. I will say I recently did a, an article looking at kind of taking a very early look at deep sleepers for next season, one from every team. And mm-hmm. McKitty was in that article. And it's, it wasn't specifically a dynasty article. It was just kind of looking at guys that under the radar players who could maybe pop up next year. And, you know, I think a lot of the names in there kind of fit the bill as dynasty stashes. So somebody like McKitty, somebody like Antonio Williams, who we both know well yes. since he, he popped when he was on the Bills, you know, last year had that one massive game late in the season. And now you have the new Giants GM, Brandon Shane, his first move. He goes out and he signs Williams. So it's a long shot. Don't get me wrong. But if the new regime decides that, you know, maybe Saquon Barkley isn't for them, maybe he's not part of their long term plan. Maybe Barkley gets hurt again next season. You could see Williams kind of work his way up the depth chart there. So either way, I'm not going to spoil the whole articles or a couple of the names in there. If you're in the market for kind of these under the radar type names, go give that one a look over at the score. But that's all for today's show. I really encourage you to go check out Jordan's Analytics Dynasty site. And I'm not just saying that either. You know, if I ever did a a power rankings of fantasy analysts, which I've joked about doing in the past, I don't think I ever would. It would be like a career ender for me. But if I ever did that... When it comes to Dynasty, I mean, Jordan would be right there near the top. So check out his work, support what he's doing. Follow him on Twitter, like I mentioned earlier, at McNamara Dynasty. Just a great dude. I'm sure you can tell from the times he's been on the show here, and we're glad to call him a friend of the show. And definitely this is going to be an annual thing, Jordan. So we'll make sure we get you on. And maybe even a couple times a year. If you got time in the summer, maybe before the season, we could do this again. Uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. And listen, I, we're not, you know, what's the analytics of Dynasty? We're not uh, beneath bribing. So we're absolutely <laughs> on board with that power <laughs> ranking and we will, we will uh, large duffel bags uh, coming your way. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. Enjoy the Super Bowl and the run up to it here. And we'll definitely talk again soon. In terms of what we got going on over at the score, like I said, I put out that deep sleeper article. I'm currently working on the February editions for my 2022 draft rankings for uh, dynasty trade value charts. Uh, I'll have those up in the next week. I'll also have my 2022 rookie rankings up in the next week or so here. And we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. But until then, big thanks again to Jordan. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.